Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. I'm Tim, and with me, guest starring today, as he's prone to do because he's a wonderful person, is Scott from the DC Squadcast. How are you today? I am from your dreams, Tim, here to help you with your podcast. Oh, thank God. I had the weirdest dream last night. So I'm riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but I'm at my grandmother's house, and it can't fit a Tyrannosaurus Rex inside. So I'm like, is it a tiny one? Or is the house really big? I don't know what the, what are the dimensions. It's it was it was strange. <laughs> People, if they haven't, yeah, hopefully they've seen the title of what book we're, we're well book. I'm going to use air quotes. Uh, we're reviewing today. It, they're probably like, what the heck? What the heck are you talking about? I mean, I think they think that every time they listen to this show. But what am I? Who am I? Just the host. Anyway, we're talking about the Audible adaptation, the Audible original. Uh, adaptation of The Sandman by Neil Gaiman, and this one is directed by Dirk Maggs. And we don't normally just do audiobooks or audio dramas on here, but um, we're both we're both white and nerdy. And, um, <laughs> that and sounds like a Weird Al Yankovic song, just waiting to happen. I think it, is, I I think think it, it actually is a, is, a it is a Weird Al song. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, da, 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 getting white and nerdy. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it is a Weird Al song, but um. So anyway, so Audible adapted its first in line of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which is a um, a Vertigo comic from the '80s, and you know it's come back many, many times over over the years. DC Comics, and they're like, let's we can't get a TV show to work, everyone, and we can't get a movie to work, so let's uh, let's try or let's try radio play, and it was great. It was amazing. I I was not prepared for the production quality that this audio drama produced because I've listened to some of Audible's like the ones that come in their drama series mm-hmm. and they're usually just okay you know cuz yep. this isn't an audio book this is an old school radio production like you would listen to like The Shadow or yes. or something else back from like the 30s and the 40s it's got music it's got narration it's got actors playing all these different characters it does not feel like a book it feels like i've turned on my i'm sitting around those like radios that are like the size of a refrigerator and just listening by the fire yep that's that's exactly what it's like my grandma speaking of my grandmother i don't know why she's popped up so much this episode but she used to watch the she used to listen to the shadow that was like one of her like jams back when when she when it was on which i think is so cool because i would have been like if i was alive i would have been right there listening with her that would have been cool. Um, so anyway, uh, the Sandman stars one of the best casts ever assembled for anything. Like, I remember when they released the cast list, and I was like, holy moly. I like, know. Riz Ahmed as the Corinthian. Kat Dennings as Death. Taron Egerton as John Constantine. Neil Gaiman as the narrator, because I love when he narrates his own stuff, because it just feels so authentic. Like, oh, I need some, Gaiman's voice in my life. That's just oh, basically what it comes down to. He's so good. 
I love him so much. Um, James McAvoy is Morpheus, um, the Sandman himself. Samantha Morton as Urana Blackwell. B.B. Newirth as the Siamese cat. Andy frickin' Circus as Matthew the Raven. And Michael frickin' Sheen as Lucifer himself. What a cast. And that's just... The stars. That's just... Those are the names you probably just recognize. That's not counting the fleets and fleets of people that are in this um, that are in this uh, story. It was just marvelous. Now, fun fact: I had never read Sandman ever. This was ever. my ever. I tried reading the first volume, and I couldn't get into. I couldn't get around Sam Keith's art because I really just don't care for Sam. It's Sam Keith and somebody else. Um, Mike Derrickaberg. I'm butchering his last name, but something of that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I just, I couldn't, I didn't care for it. And so I just couldn't get around it. And so I was not tentative going into Sandman, but I was, because I like Neil Gaiman a lot, but I, I, but I was like, mm, I never really got into the book, so how am I going to feel about getting into the Audible original? And I couldn't stop listening. I couldn't stop. And I'm usually like a 1.25, 1.5 listener on Audible. Like, I'm like, a, speed it up a little bit. You know, we've got places to be. One, one speed the whole time. As it was meant to be listened, I had to hear it the way it was intended because it was so freaking good. I have, I'm on a similar uh, trajectory with you with the exception of I own all the absolute editions, like the beautiful leather bound slip cover oh, of very nice of, of all five volumes of Sandman and death and overture. So this actually was my kick in the pants to finally crack them open because the audible original drama that we're reviewing today adapts the first 20 issues of the comic mm-hmm. which right. which makes up the three the first three trade paperbacks which are called preludes and nocturnes a doll's house and dream country sense. right and those right. are the first three and then for the absolute edition that's the first volume so I, I opened up that one giant hardcover, and that was everything that got adapted for this Audible drama. I don't have the problem with Sam Keith's art that you did. It's very reminiscent to me of Todd McFarlane's style. It is very Todd McFarlane. It's just a little more uh, macabre, I guess, if that makes sense. Like yes. A more elongated. It's it's a little bit more abstract than, than McFarlane, but... It, it part of it, I think, is honestly, it's like '80s coloring, '80s inking. You know, it's like almost. It's not even so much the artist as so much like the the dated, um, mm-hmm. the dated um, art around, like art around it. You know. Well, but- you might want to check out the anniversary editions, though, because like a lot of those '80s books, like Killing Joke and those kind of things, uh, they uh, for their like the 30th anniversary, like they start off with the absolute editions. They've gone back and done a recoloring. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. I, I should go back. I, Do you I, have actually, Comixology Unlimited? No, I don't. Um, I, I treat it like I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you ever feel like you, know, you get you get the first like sixty days for free, um, and the first three volumes are Comixology Unlimited, so you can borrow them. 
Oh, that's uh, beautiful. So th- just – just uh, once again, I'm out here pimping out books like nobody's business. But – that's, uh, that's what we do here on Read Up. It's, it's what we do here on Read Up. So I would, I would say if you ever have an inclination, give it another shot because a beautiful thing about this audio drama that maybe you're not aware of because you haven't read the comic is this is almost – this almost is a word-for-word, straight-up faithful – adaptation like you i read the comic two days before i listened to this audio drama and i it 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 was the comic they kept all the dated references they kept all the characters it, it if you listen to this audio drama you have in effect read the first 20 issues of sandman that is see that and i i did notice that because i because I have the first volume, you know, so I, as I was going, I was like, let me just see, like, how is it doing? It's page for page. Yes. Like, word for, it's almost word for word, you know, and you just, they just added stuff for context when they needed it. But by God, it was wonderful. What I do want to do, instead of just talking, like, completely around it as it being wonderful and everybody should go and get Audible and listen to it. You, Which you, you should. You have Audible, get it for free. Like, this is the one, sign up and this is your free one, you know. But, it, you know, if you love books and you're commuting in any particular way, even if you're going for walks, you know, there's nothing better than listening to an audiobook or a podcast. And so, music. Who needs music anymore? Um, no, just kidding. I'm a musician. I love music um what i'd like to do i have the episode lists in front of me and even if we don't remember specifics about each particular one um i at least want to call attention to i want to call attention to a few really good um episodes issues i guess you you call them I and then I would also kind of in in the sense of fairness to the review, I actually even have a couple. There was there was two episodes of the audio drama that I wanted to also point out that didn't work for me. That's great. That's perfect. Um, I think I have. I think I actually have some of those. I have myself. But starting right from the sleep of the just, you know. So in the whole setup is that Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams you know, is captured by this, you know, wizard, magician, person, blah, blah, blah. And and he just spends a long time in captivity. And it goes like, it just kind of, work, the story works around him in captivity. I think from a storytelling perspective, your main character not saying anything for such a long time is really interesting. Yes, especially when you've got freaking James McAvoy as your main character. Yeah. And he actually recorded his bit during quarantine um, because he was like he was he was on the West End doing a play and didn't have and he asked if he could record in like late February or something like that. Like when the play was done so he wouldn't strain his voice. And they're like, yeah, sure. You'll be the last one. No big deal. Then everybody got stuck in their houses. And so so he made a makeshift recording studio in his closet, but he was able to listen to every single body's performance before recording. So he was actually able to play off of what they were bringing in their performance, which really, I think, helps him quite a bit. Oh, that's amazing, because a lot of this production you saw behind the scene pictures, because one of the day players, if you want to call it Ray Porter, who. For various other reasons, the MVP of this audiobook, <laughs> if, I, if I must say so, he is he is Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. He's Beelzebub. He's Richard Randy Burbage. Gar, Richard Burbage. He is the best 
Chameleon was so good. But continue. Uh, but thanks to his Twitter feed, I saw that they did do recording sessions where they were all in the room together, kind of like what we used to see with old Batman the Animated Series oh, recording sessions. Great. So there's pictures of him, like him, Michael Sheen, basically like the three lords of hell. Like they were all recording together. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Because so they really were able to act off of one another. I mean, that's how you do old school radio. That's like, you know, you talk about Orson Welles in the shadow. They were all in the same room together. There was like some dude with some chains next to a microphone and be like, and then the train shook and he's like, Shh. you know, like right, right there. But that's, it's hard to act in a box. When nobody's around you, you know, you just do a bunch of different takes and hope that, you know, different actors play off each other the correct way. Give me a happy one. Give me a sad one. Give me, you know, this and this and this. So, oh man, that's cool. Ray Porter, man, though. Thanks for sharing. And also, thanks for being great. Um, So, so that first, those, the first couple of episodes really, really worked for me because they, they just, um, they're enrapturing. You're like, you want to know what happens. Like, you just need to know. So by the time that the, by the time that the episodes start to creep away from Morpheus a little bit, where they start to be about some other characters, you're invested in the world. Absolutely. And I also thought it was interesting how they did that, where even though Neil Gaiman is the narrator of the overall audio drama, there were specific episodes of the audio drama where they relied on the point of view of a different character. And so they kind of took over as the narrator and gave Neil Gaiman a break, which added some variety. Like by the time you get to the third episode, Dream a Little Dream, and the entire story is narrated by Constantine. Right, right. Oh. Who they called Constantine a bit in this. And that was like, that That was probably the only thing that really bothered me. Where I was like, his name is John Constantine. But didn't Alan Moore, the creator of the character, even call him John Constantine? Yeah, he sure did. Yep. You know. So I'm just I'm just like, yeah, it bothered me too, but it's like, eh, you know, it's a it's a thing. I mean, even Crisis on Infinite Earths made a joke out of that. So it's like it's a thing in the zeitgeist. That it is. No, you're right. You're right. But it is uh I guess I mean if you're adhering to if the way I'm almost looking at it is the difference between like Lucius and Lucius, if that yes. makes sense. You yes. know, like they're the same name sometimes, but in different places you say them differently. But what did you think of Taron Egerton as John Constantine? I thought it was interesting based on previous incarnations of the character to get a version that was so young. Yes, I agree. He was not so hard boiled yet that he you couldn't crack them open. Right. Which was fine because the character, if you go back to even his run in Vertigo comics, aged in real time. So right. it works out that, well, if you're going to talk about a comic that was written in 1989, he, I, I thought it was, it was actually more accurate to the character to have him so young, no matter how jarring it was for me, who's used to seeing Constantine as like a, 40s-ish. 40s, yes. Yeah. 40s-ish, yeah. mm -hmm. been smoking for 20-something years, you know, like that, a little more gruff. Because um, his, his Egerton's Constantine really wasn't gruff. He was sassy, but he wasn't, he wasn't so Raymond Chandler yet. 
Right. He he was he was he, there was there, the apathy wasn't as strong in this one. <laughs> no, sure wasn't. No, but that's okay. That's okay. I I enjoyed it. I like the I like the the idea of the or the conceit of the first couple of episodes where Morpheus has to go around and collect stuff because it's almost like this like it's almost like a um I don't know like a fun caravan ride through DC Comics because Sandman is connected to DC Comics so early on in it, in its in its run where you know like you get Etrigan showing up and you know the Martian Creeper, Manhunter Martian Manhunter they talk about the Justice League a couple Dark of Side times. and the apoc- and, and the Apocalyptians it's like that was the thing that blew my mind was I had been told years ago no it's in canon like it's connected I was not prepared for just how like freaking Mr. Miracle shows up because just yeah. the, the Justice League International like wow that's a deep dive even for a DC Comics nerd I agree but what is so crazy and cool about it is that they didn't they didn't change the dated reference like they didn't take Sandman and be like okay well let's put it in 2019 or 2020 or you know something like that no this is it's happening at the time that the comic happened like which I thought was very cool of them um, because they hope to do more. I mean, I think they will. I mean, this has been extremely successful. So it's got a five, five out of five rating or 4.8 out of five on, on audible. Like you don't get much better than that. Um, um, Michael Sheen as Lucifer nailed it. Personally it was speaking. weird though, because that was a different, like I knew it was Michael Sheen, but it sounded so different than almost any Michael Sheen I've heard. And I've seen Michael Sheen play bad guys. I've seen him play vampires. I saw Twilight. You know, right. it was just but And but, Underworld. And Little. Underworld. Wow, you're right. Yeah. So but his Lucifer, I think this is just a test to Michael Sheen as an actor. His Lucifer still sounded different than any other Michael Sheen voice I've heard. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it to speak to the, his versatility as an actor. I was listening to him, and I was like, I, "Please adapt Lucifer as your next like audible drama, please, because yes. I want to listen to I want to listen to Michael Sheen be awesome all the time, all the time. I need that in my ears, please, please yeah. do that audible. We will pay you, money. You um you had mentioned um you had mentioned. John Jones, who they called John Johns, which I also which bug? Was. Oh, that no, that was just like okay, that that was just me going Neil. You no, that's not how you pronounce that name. Yeah, the I blame Dirk Mags, the director. Somebody just do a double check. How do you? This is a weird spelled name. How do you pronounce it? Okay, cool. But anyway, uh, that one, the characters in it, you know, it starred. You know, you mentioned Scott Free, Mister Miracle it had John Jones in it. It had the Scarecrow in it. Which was fun, um, you know, Doctor Destiny, Doctor Destiny, and that was where I was going for William Hope as Doctor Destiny, Doctor John D. And I think Passengers in the next episode after that, twenty four hours, <sighs> amazing, amazing. It, I think this, the re the listen was worth it. I think just for twenty four hours, twenty four hours was actually one that almost triggered my. Like I have a I have a condition and 24 hours almost triggered me with Mm. because the sound effects and the production uh, that was one where the audible adaptation even enhanced the comic 
like the audio freaked me out more mm. than reading the comic did. So and so seeing the visuals was not as disturbing as the sound effects that yep. they used in that episode. Yeah, so that for those who don't know the idea is that there are people in a diner and they uh can't leave. And I kind of leave it at that like they just kind of get trapped there. Uh and it is just madness. It is horrifying. Yeah, it, it, there's a um, an old an old film that name escapes me right now, but there's like a it, it is it's, it's a little si- it's similar um, um, where these these guests are at dinner and they try to leave and they just can't seem to get out of the house. Something always just pulls them back in, so it becomes this very claustrophobic film, and it was. Um, it's wild, and and this one is it's just as wild, if not wilder. Yeah, so that that was one of those cases where I was like, no, this actually in this one improved on the comic just because of the production value. That's mm-hmm. how powerful twenty four hours was. Uh, what what was the next? Because we're we're getting there's just so many good ones. We could literally just almost go episode by episode, but we're getting close to one of the two episodes that for me, I was like, didn't, didn't work. Okay, well, I mean, we I don't have to say everything about anything, but it's so like episode A is the sound of her wings, which is the introduction of death, Cat Dennings as death, um, which I thought really worked. I thought she was really, I thought she was a really strong. I thought that was really strong casting. Absolutely. I think even Neil Gaiman said it was weird for them because they cast her because she actually looks like Debt. She like, does. She, she looks she like the way does. the character is portrayed in the comic, even though they were just casting her voice. Yep, absolutely does. I thought she had this real sense of playfulness, but also melancholy, but also this like, underst- like warped understanding. It was and, this. And it was heart. this wisdom that she had that Death has in the comic. Like. like it's okay because there's nothing threatening about death. That's kind of the point. Death mm-hmm. is not something to be afraid of. Yes, exactly. It, it was it, – and the cyclical nature of it, you know, like I'll see you again real – I'll see you soon. Like this really good play in it. One that didn't work for me and I really wanted it to was Tales in the Sand, which was the the African, um, the African Sandman story. Um, I don't know how else to describe it because it, it's it's it like is. a folk it's like a folk tale it's, it's, it's like a, a, folk, it's a folk, tale. folk tale it's like an Anasi story yes and uh, and um I think I needed the visuals for this one to help me because I had gone through eight episodes of listening to particular voices to particular characters and so and everybody got changed out except for Neil Gaiman and so and it's a it's a story and because it's a narrator within a narrator and almost within another narrator it's almost like a russian it's like a russian doll so like a russian nesting doll so i i was i got I i became a little confused in its execution not that i thought the story was bad don't get me wrong uh but i i but i this one i felt like i needed to see it to appreciate it and then funny enough i had that reaction with the the next episode, Men of Good Fortune, which is the one where basically it's just a conversation between two people throughout time. Mm-hmm. 
And that for me was really boring and uninteresting in audio. Oh, that's I loved this one. Where oh, like, really? I loved this one. So the idea is that Morpheus like it basically grants immortality or whatever, right? To this to this random dude, and yes. they meet up every year at the exact same spot. So you get to see over the course of the centuries what that spot becomes and how he and how that guy reacts to the world and what he learns and what he doesn't learn and then what Morpheus learns on top of that. I I actually really, really appreciated this one. Well I think I, I think maybe I need to I, I need to clarify. I don't think the story is bad. I, I was just saying it worked so much better as a issue of the comic that the audio mm. adaptation didn't move the needle for me like some of the like like what the reason i I praised 24 hours so much is i felt like it actually took the comic and elevated it and others are just delivering on the comic this was one that was like the the adaptation didn't work for me i would skip this one and just go and read the comic book of this one for me because i liked it in the comic book it was just the audible adaptation of it that just didn't work for me gotcha gotcha what about the next couple of episodes because these were all about the corinthian and it was like an extendedly long period of you know there was like jed walker it's an arc basically yes so yeah um i will say that the audible adaptation i think there was there was one particular episode that i am blanking on that was the other one that just did not work for me. It was in this. This is all. This is all part of the Dollhouse arc. So we're basically we've hit right. the second volume of the graphic novel collections, and for the most part, I thought this Audible adaptation made this arc more interesting to me than reading the comic because, mm-hmm. like, I gave Volume One five stars. I gave Volume Three five stars. I only gave Volume Two four stars. And the Audible helped with it, but there is an episode in here that I think it is episode 15, Into the Night. That was the one that was not – like as an audio adaptation, just – it didn't offer me anything – as a as an audio yes. which is interesting because coming right off of episode 14 collectors which oh uh, one I, I don't want to give away the twist of what that episode's about because it's really fun when it hits you like yes. oh my god this is what this is but there is a analogy like the events of episode 14 are analogous to something else that we as nerds would get mm-hmm. and i felt like the audio drama was another one where it enhanced the analogy even better to where you maybe you got it when you read the comic but it really hits home when you hear the way they mix the sound design to go oh god yeah this is totally what neil gaiman was meaning to do with this mm-hmm. and i think that's what's really strong about this whole this whole thing is that it because he's also in on it you can feel Gaiman's fingerprints, and so, like, you get what he's trying to do. Gaiman is a one – he paints a beautiful picture with his words. And when you listen to him say his own words, he, like, is almost like recoloring an 80s comic himself, right? You know, he makes yes. it all that much more 
lush. Um, but I agree. I think those these middle chapters with the Corinthians, some of it works really well, and some of it, some of it, I was ready to kind of move on from at a certain point. I was like, okay, let's let's go, let's get yeah. to the next one. Um, I really love Calliope though about the guy who the writer oh. who like who like takes the muse because I think I think it, it's it's a strong and deeply disturbing message then but i think it hits home really strongly now in in the world of of me um, of me too and you know and people's uh, civil liberties and freedoms and you know what choice is and i it, it and abuse and abuse yep that's yeah, and yeah, yeah. Part, partner abuse and everything it i i had heard about calliope years ago like like before I, I mean years before I even read Sandman, I, I had been told about this story in particular by another English teacher friend who doesn't do comics. Okay. But she got into Sandman and she specifically referenced this story. Mm. And and once again, it was another one of those where I read it, it was good, but it was when I was listening to the Audible adaptation that bridges like Bridges were connected in my brain, going, "Oh man, yeah!" Like it, it went, to, it didn't hit until I listened to the audible. The way that it, that maybe it didn't hit for me when I read the comic, even though the comic is really good. Yeah, I, either way, both good. And then, and then we kind of get, we come around basically to the end. We got to honestly we have two episodes: Dream of a Thousand Cats and Facade. That I actually don't really remember exactly what happened. Oh, okay. I love I love a dream of uh, a dream of a thousand cats because that's the one where BB Newirth is the voice of the cat, and it tells it. it, it if anyone has a cat, it kind of is a funny story <laughs> to to listen to. But I just love listening to BB Newirth. You know, uh, from back from old Broadway days, just like oh, that. Yeah. That just that worked for me so much, and facade was the was a great one where Morpheus doesn't show up at all. It's it's a death story. And which was, I'll take more death. I, I I'm just having a problem remembering what happened, but it doesn't matter because you know what? We don't do spoilers anyway. So that's okay. And then I think arguably one of the most famous issues of Sandman is a Midsummer Night's Dream. Cause it won the world fantasy award, which was it, the first time that a comic or graphic novel or anything of that medium had won that award. It was another one of those early, late eighties, early nineties recognitions that, Comics can be literature. That's right. And I, it, this episode, the, there was a documentary on the History Channel in the early 2000s called Comic Book Superheroes Unmasked, uh, which is actually on YouTube. It's only about an hour. And if, you, if you're looking for like a, what's the comic book industry about and how did it start? And, you know, you know and like, how do I, like, what's important and what's not? It's really, really strong. It's a really strong documentary. I, I love it. I, it was it came out about the time the Wolverine was coming out because Leif Schreiber um, is the host. Oh, yeah, that was the one on PBS, right? No, or, or the, that, okay, that, that was a PBS different one. PBS one was a like a three part series. This was this was definitely on the History Channel, and it was only about an hour, maybe an okay. hour and a half. So funny that Leif Schreiber hosted both of them. So did he? Really, I don't remember him posting the the second one. But yeah, he did. He did that. He did the uh, the the PBS one. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, he's like, oh, you're so good at this one. Come do this one too. But anyway, so this is like uh, this is Shakespeare putting on a Midsummer Night's Dream for 
the characters of a Midsummer Night's Dream, basically. Yes. And and it with is Arthur Darvel as William Shakespeare. Also, also inspired casting. Um, he was wonderful. Oh he man, was great. he was great. Um, I loved this one. I thought I I I even just listening to it, I understood why this won the World Fantasy Award. It's a great concept, and they're just. I love the asides where you're not really listening to a Midsummer Night's Dream. In like you're listening to what the characters of a Midsummer Night's Dream as real figures think about what they're watching and why Morpheus put this all together in the first place. And it was cool. It was very cool. As someone who this is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, or at least the Shakespeare play that I have actually performed in. I've been involved in three different productions of this play. Have you really? <laughs> oh, yes. So I've been Lysander, Oberon, and then I was a stage manager in college. And nice. so it's one of those – I'm just like – I just start reciting the – like as soon as, as soon as they start saying the play, I'm like I just start reciting it because like I know this one way too well. So this this issue and this episode of the audible drama was just primed to go – this is fantastic. And it's also interesting that this is the one issue where they actually swap the order because this was actually issue 19 of the comic, but they swapped it with facade so that this is where the audible drama ends is on this story, gotcha. which was an interesting bit of editing where they go, we want to end on a bang. So we're actually for the first time ever going to swap the story order because they're both standalone stories anyway. Right. So you can do that. And I think it was a great way to, it was a great way to end. What a, it's a, I think at this point at, by episode 20, you're either real, you're, you're either in for the, the wacky world of the Sandman or you're not. Right. And so, um, and I think a Midsummer Night's Dream really encapsulates a lot of what Gaiman is. Never mind, really just the Sandman. But in and um, you have to be almost in a lot in a weird way. I think to be a lover of myth and literature is is part of what makes Sandman so attractive to people, uh, or Neil Gaiman himself. But I think I think the Audible drama just does a really bang up job on the whole thing. I mean, we've gone on for almost half an hour at this point, and we were like, yeah, maybe 15 minutes. We don't want to talk about everything, and what did we end up doing? And we talked about everything. because and you, know you know what? what? And we didn't spoil a thing. A thing. <laughs> and that's the important part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I loved it, and I know you loved it. Um, so let's – maybe we just won't we, – we won't continue this any further. But, uh, Scott, why don't you tell everyone where they can listen to you on their on their own time? Well, of course, you can find me on Twitter at ScottDC27, and I would please beg that if you don't already do so, because I've been on this podcast so many times, you know where to find me, because you can go to your podcatcher and look for DC Film Squadcast and listen to me talk about DC comics, movies, and television shows, because this is my jam. That's right. That's right. It's his, it's his, it's his Blackberry jam. <laughs> Raspberry. Everyone ever says, like, it's my jam, I just think of Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> Only one man would dare give me the raspberry. <laughs> Lone Star. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, well, Scott, of course, thank you. Thank you, as always, for coming on. It's a, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, you too, Tim. You have been listening to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. You can find Read Up on Twitter at Read Up Podcast and the host at Timothy PG13. 
rate and review read up on iTunes, and listen on any place podcasts can be found. Head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all of your favorite Thought Bubble Audio podcasts. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio programs at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Until next time, have a good read.